This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're still with Morning Run. I'm Julian Ng, together with Joyce Go and Sharitz Abdullah. Yesterday, we discussed the formation of the new Economic Action Council comprising members uh, of uh, the cabinet as well as business leaders. This has been tasked with tackling the economy and arrest the rising cost of living. One of the more striking reactions uh, to the council came from A. Kade Jassin. Yeah, the former chief editor of the New Straits Times group, and he said it shows that the Prime Minister considers his administration um, machinery ineffectual in handling key issues. Now, we spoke to Terence Gomez, Professor of Political Economy at University of Malaya, for his take on uh, the EAC. We asked him what he thought of uh, the creation of this council and its lineup, which has a mixed bag of successful uh, individuals. Yes, it does have a mixed bag a mixed bag of individuals. But here's the thing. Uh, what we should ask is who's missing. And to my mind, a big issue, which they did not look into when they were thinking about the members, would include trade unions. Now, you cannot leave out labor. Labor is an important component of the economy and an important factor when we talk about reforms. So why was there no... Trade, representation, trade union representation in this uh, council. It suggests also the government is not interested in the problems of labor, and that's a serious uh, message that they're sending out, uh, that labor issues are not a serious consideration for them. Yeah, and we also asked Terence if he agrees with Kadir Jassin's statement that the council was created because the prime minister considers his cabinet machinery inadequate. Let's go back to the appointment of the uh, CEP, the Committee of Eminent People, Now, when I looked at the new committee, advisory committee that was formed, uh, my concern was this. One-third of the new advisory committee constitute current cabinet members, while the CEP did not have any cabinet members. Uh, From what I heard, and uh, this is what I've heard, and I think there's some truth to it, the problem with the CEP was that for whatever recommendations that they may have made, it was difficult getting it through to cabinet members because there was a clear demarcation between the CEP and the cabinet. Now, the committee today, as I said, one-third of them are cabinet members. I would think that this is because uh, there was a problem between advisory groups and the cabinet in terms of getting the message across for them to work together. So the response to that question that you just made is this. Uh, the advisory committee, where there's so many politicians there, it is precisely because there's a need for cabinet members to also listen to outsiders, people outside the cabinet, about the key issues that they need to bring into policy planning and policy making when uh, they make firm decisions. So Kade may have a point there. Terence also shared with us his take on whether the council will have the independence to critically assess projects like the third national car, the status of Kazana and the role of GLCs. I can't say that for sure, because ultimately the decisions, I would argue, is made by the Prime Minister himself. Now, my concern with the Pakatan is what I've seen in the past nine months is this, that the Prime Minister seems to have a certain hegemony in decision-making. So whatever recommendations are being made by this committee to the government, uh, the ultimate decision-maker, to my mind, would be the Prime Minister himself. And um, Terence also gave his view on whether the council was well-placed to address the concerns of the B40 segment. 
all. Let me say this. When the Pakatan took over the government, they were confronted, as they themselves put it, with a serious economic crisis. Now, when you're confronted with a serious economic crisis, you do need to bring together three major components, the government, the corporate sector, and labor. But there's another component you also have to look at, which is education. Uh, the reason why education is also important, and that's why I thought it was missing also among the committee members, is this. Uh, to get the economy back on track, you need to have an education system that's producing the kind of labor force that the economy needs. Now, there's a serious problem here in the sense that two core components are missing, labor, trade unions, that is, and people who can advise also on education. So there's a, there's a real issue here in terms of if you're going to have a committee that comprises primarily people from the corporate sector, well, okay, also the GLCs, politicians, uh, and technocrats, so, well, that's good, but it's not enough. So will they then be able to deal with the core issues, including uh, the issue, as you said, the cost of living, the B40, I think they may be able to give some recommendations, but I question the viability of being holistic in terms of responding to the structural problems that exist in the economy that has to be addressed. Now, this isn't the first Economic Council created by the government. There was a NEAC version 1.0 back in 1997 and the more recent one under the Najib administration. With that in mind, we asked Terence if any of these prior councils met their objectives and if he thinks that this new one would be any different. Well, this is why I come back to my point. The very constitution of the committee is important. Now, when Najib came to power... He created an advisory committee, and he said, we need a new economic model. When I looked at the action plan, the recommendations by the that committee, the first question that came to my mind is, what's new about this model that the country so badly needs? And that is why, if you look at the time when Najib was in power until the current period, there was nothing really fundamentally new that brought about the major structural changes that the economy needed, even at that time. We can compare this to another period of when we had a major crisis, which is 1969. In 1969, when we had a major crisis, there was an advisory council that was put together, and they came up with a new model. It was called the New Economic Policy, and the New Economic Policy also came up with new ideas, including uh, forms of government intervention to redress serious problems in the economy, including poverty and as well as inequities in wealth distribution, and they managed to rectify it. So I looked to that model, and I like to compare that with the current model in terms of if this committee is going to be effective, unlike the two more recent committees that we have had, we need to see a real change in terms of something new to take the economy forward. And let me remind you, 1969 and 2019, there's a big gap in the state of the economy in that period and this period. So the issues that we are confronted with in 2019 are so fundamentally different. It's about how we get out of the high middle income trap, how do we achieve high, high industrialized nation status. And it's a different set of issues we have to look at. And that's where, as I said, issues such as labor and education also come into the call. Finally, we asked him what else must be addressed as the council leads the plan for our country's economy. Well, as I said, uh, first of all, labor rights, uh, especially when we have issues such as uh, high-tech sectors, AI, where does labor fit into all this? The second issue is education. What is the new? What are the curriculum reforms that will 
provide the young with the skills that they need to function in a highly industrialized economy. The third issue which I'm particularly concerned with is about spatial inequalities, the rural-urban divide. We, st- we do know there's a major difference between the highly industrialized states, especially those on the west coast of the peninsula, and the less industrialized states, such as those in what we call the Malay heartland states. That's a serious problem there. And what more of Sabah and Sarawak? And are there representatives also, I should add, in terms of Sabah and Sarawakian representation in the council? And the final issue is also on the B40, inequalities. I'll be looking to see, uh, will they solve the problem? If before the problem was poverty eradication, now the problem is about growing wealth and income disparities. These new inequalities have to be redressed, and this council has to come up with mechanisms to solve that problem. And that was Terence Gomez, Professor of Political Economy at University of Malaya, alluding that independence, labour representation, education and holistic considerations of cost of, life, uh, cost of living issues are surfacing in the newly formed Economic Action Council, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.